we are starting a new series called What If? Um, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about some what ifs. Now, normally when you, when you think about what ifs, they're like, oh, no, anything but what. Don't go down the what if train, right? You're automatically pulled in to thinking about the negative things uh, that could take place on any given situation. But today, um, I wanted to pose the question in a different sense. I like to walk through this series over the next three weeks of what ifs that are designed to engage your relationship with Jesus. And for this week, week one, I want to start off asking this question. What if you really gave Jesus your all? What if you really gave Jesus your all? You know, we look at the stories of people who did miraculous things in the Bible, right? And we tell stories and we, we read these stories and we get motivated and, and we're excited to hear about, you know, people walking on water and people raising from the dead and the shadows healing people. And we, we see all of these stories and we see God use them in mighty ways. And we're like, Lord, I want you to use me like that. Like, I, I want to do like that. But, but what I realized uh, whether it's Moses, whether it's Abraham, whether it's Paul or the disciples, with the exception of Judas, uh, they gave their all. They were 100 completely sold out as followers of Jesus. They made their entire life about following Jesus and the commission that he had gave them. They, they were sold out. They, they made no room for complacency. They made no room for comfortability, they made no room for compromise. And if we really desire to be used, if we really desire that God's glory be seen in our life, then we have to constantly be aware of the condition of our life and the condition of our heart. We have to constantly be aware. There's this song, um, ever since I came to California, uh, I started being aware of these old school gospel songs that I never knew about. Um, and this one I blame on dad. There's this group called the Williams Brothers. Uh, and they, yeah, hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> I told y'all. All right. So there's this group called the Williams Brothers and they sing this song and it says, um, I've been running, trying to make a hundred. 99 and a half won't do. You already know it. I've been running, trying to make a hundred. 99 and a half won't. Yeah, all the season states know that song. So, the, but the, when this song came out, this song was extremely popular. And you see, it resonates with people today that they still know this song because in reality, this is how we should be living our life. We should be living our life not uh, in the sense of where, you know, 99 and a half is enough. No, 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 no. We have to give our all to him. We have to give our all to him. This is how we should live. And not in the sense of works where we got to do something to try to get there, but in this matter that we are daily striving, that we are daily striving to run the race with endurance of the path that has been set before us. We're daily trying to get there. This idea that we can somehow uh, uh, follow Jesus and we can say that Jesus is Lord, but still live a life of compromise, that's a lie. 
And it is a lie that has taken over faith. It is a lie that has taken over Christianity. It is a lie that has taken over Christians to believe that we can, we can do that. And that just isn't, it, it's just not the truth. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could live the life that we wanted. He died on the cross so we could live the life that God has called us to. We have to give him our all. In order for us to walk in the fullness of him, we have to give him all of us. In our vision series, we looked at the rich young ruler. We talked about this, this, this rich young ruler, and, and, and he had a vision, and, and he asked God some questions, and God gave him some answers that he didn't like, and we saw that he wasn't willing to give his all. And in Luke, we see encounter Jesus. He, he has three other, other similar people. And he uses these situations in Luke chapter 9. He uses these situations to teach the disciples and really what I believe that he's teaching today. Luke chapter 9, verses uh, 57. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, a little backstory. Jesus is teaching here and people are all around him. And every so often, somebody will come up to Jesus and I imagine it's this exciting moment. Jesus has healed some people and all kind of stuff is going on and people are excited and someone just, hey, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus, knowing the heart, he responds. He says, foxes have holes. He said, the foxes know where they're going to sleep. He said, the birds have their nests. They know where they're going to sleep. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. What he's saying here is he's like, oh, oh, you thought it was going to be smooth, huh? You thought it was going to be a, a, a joy ride. You, you thought we was going to be five-star hoteling it all the way in. You're like, I don't even know where, where I'm sleeping tonight. He said to another, uh, follow me, accepting me as my master and teacher. But he said, Lord, allow me to first go bury my father. But he said to him, allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and spread the news about the kingdom of God. See, this guy's dad actually wasn't even dead yet. He says, let me go bury my father. Apparently his, his father was sick and, 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 and once his father died, him being the son, he would gain an inheritance. And when he gained that inheritance, he says, you know what? I'm going to gain my dad's going to die. I'm going to get a little change. Then I'm going to come follow you. And he says, no, allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and spread the news about the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, as your disciple, but let me first say goodbye to those at my home. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. See, see this last one here, he says, he says uh, 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 Jesus, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I'm, I'm going to ride with you. But let me go back and say goodbye there, give hugs, kisses, you know. Let me go say goodbye to everybody. And, and, and really what it was was he was giving them a chance to go back and let them persuade him to stay. No, you, you, you don't need to stay there. Yes, it's crazy talk. Just, you already here. You don't need to, you got to go find Jesus. Nobody knows where he's at. Just come and stay here. Yeah. And he said, no one, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Come on, come on. Jesus encountered these three people who wanted to follow him. And they wanted him to be their Lord but they really didn't. 
And we have to be aware that when we say Jesus is Lord, it means that we are saying that he is the authority, that he is the ruler and the controller of our life. And be assured that when you make that statement, you will be called to the carpet on whether that's true or not. This ain't a like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life and, then, you know, it's going to be great. Nah, nah, that's, that's, that's not how this works. As soon as you make a commitment, God, I am going to follow you. Here come the enemy. Really? You sure, you sure that's what you want to do? You sure about that now? Because I'm, I'm going to throw some things at you. We're going to see if we have to be ready. We have to be aware. See, God's goal isn't just our profession of salvation. He's not just trying to get us to go and say some things, but his goal is discipleship and complete dedication of our life. He doesn't want us uh, just to show up on Saturday. He wants us to be visible, verbal followers of Jesus every day of the week. Every area of our life. The question is, what if we gave Jesus our all? What if we absolutely sold out to this thing? What if instead of allowing God to be Lord over some areas of our life, we actually gave him everything? We actually gave him everything. What would our lives be like if we said, God, I'm committing my entire life to you. What could he use us to do? What could he trust us to say? A lot of times we wonder why we haven't gotten to this place that we desire in our faith and why we haven't had this full experience of belief like the people that we see in the Bible. And it's because we haven't given God full access to our lives. We haven't given it all. There's a restaurant in the Thomas that came out a couple years ago called Tokyo Steakhouse. We have another one uh, in Woodland um, called Secura. Uh, if you haven't gone there, please do. It's a free plug. Go ahead. Uh, but uh, when, when Tokyo Steakhouse first came out, I would ask people, I would ask my family members, you know, let's go to Tokyo Steakhouse. Let's, let's go get something to eat. And if it was late, they'd be like, yo, let's go pick it up. I'm like, mm-mm, no, see, we can't do that. We can't pick the food up. The reason that I'm trying to go to Tokyo Steakhouse or Secura is because I'm trying to have the full experience. I can't get the full experience in a little to-go plate no, I want to see him flip the rice. I want the egg. I want to see him uh, do the onion with the little fire thing coming up. I'm there for a full experience. I'm not going to cheat myself out of a full experience by just getting it and leaving, by just coming in and going back. And then by the time I, by the time I get home, it's already cold and I'm already short. It's like, no, I want to have the full experience. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, he says, behold... I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus says if we open our hearts to him, he will come in and be in relationship with us. See, that word open, it means to give full access. We can't say, Jesus, you're welcome here and then have some places that he's excluded from. Jesus, you're welcome here except for there and here, but you're welcome here, but don't go over there. But you're, we can't do that because we're only cutting ourselves short of the full experience of what God has for us. If you would invite someone over your house 
and, and, and they come over and they can't go in a particular room, usually there's a couple of reasons uh, uh, why that is. Uh, usually it's because the room is dirty um, or, or it's a room, you know, maybe I'll get cut you some slack. Maybe you, you know, you got a brand new house. Maybe the room ain't finished yet. You know, the paint, you still ain't did the, the dresses and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, mm, don't go in there. It's not finished yet. Right. So either it's dirty, it's unfinished yet, or what is true for most of us, uh, when we found out or remember that they were coming over, we threw everything in that room. <laughs> amen. Amen. We, we threw everything in that room in there for the last minute. And we don't want people to see that. We don't, we don't want our guests to think that we weren't prepared or that, 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 that we just threw everything in there. The great thing I love about Jesus is Jesus already knows our stuff. He already knows the things that we're trying to hide. He already knows our hurts. He already knows our pains, our scars. He knows our insecurities. And he's willing and ready to help us if we would just give it to him. If we would just give it to him. He says it's all or nothing. And at some point, we have to settle this in our hearts. We have to settle this decision within ourselves because if we keep living life as a double-minded person, then we should expect to receive exactly what the Bible says a double-minded person would receive. Nothing. Nothing at all. He says we can't put our hand to the plow and look back. We have to be full speed ahead. We have to be focused and, and, and dedicated to the way that we're going. And when we do, it creates a change in us and it creates a change through us that has limitless potential. Because we don't know who our destiny is tied to. We don't know who our obedience is tied to. We don't know who our life of salvation and the light that we are shining, who it is tied to. We don't know. Let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, I'm going to start at verse 7. Luke chapter 19, verse 7. We start here with Zacchaeus. Many of us know Zacchaeus' story of uh, a tax collector, and, and Jesus has come into town, and, and Zacchaeus was height-challenged. Uh, he was the, the shorter of the, uh, of, the, of the few. I know some people who are height-challenged. Hey, Amen. I'm not going to say no names. But, you know, so what happened is he had to get up on a tree. So that he could see, he was so dedicated, he was so determined to see Jesus. He gets up on a tree, he looks down, and Jesus says, yo, oh, oh, Zacchaeus, come down. I got I to gotta, I gotta come, come to your house and eat. We pick this up in verse 7 in Luke chapter 19. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he is going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus was amazed over his gracious visit to his home and joyously welcomed Jesus. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay them back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said to him, your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household, and you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Because of this encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus, Zacchaeus made a decision to give Jesus his all. 
See, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He was the, he was the boss man. He, he made a life out of taking taxes, uh, 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 by, excuse me, he made a life f- by getting paid from the Romans to take taxes from the Jews. Then not only did he do that, but he employed other tax collectors to do the same. So he had made a life out of this. But something with his encounter with Jesus made him decide to go all in, to give it all up and commit his life from that moment forward to being a follower of Jesus. In that moment, he, he, he risked some things. He had, he had stored up some things. He, he had some things that, that he, was, he was proud of. He probably had a house. He, he probably had the finest linens that he made from doing this. But in this moment, because of an encounter that he had with Jesus, he said, you know what? I'm leaving all of that. He pushed all his chips in and said, you know what? God, I'm, I'm giving it all. I'm giving you everything. I'm turning my life around and I'm giving it all to you. Zacchaeus's outward expression was an indicator of an inward transformation that had happened to him. And then as a result, uh, Jesus says life, uh, the Amplified Version, New King James says salvation has come to your house, to you and your household. Here's the th- this is what I just said. You see this? Zacchaeus' decision just didn't affect him. Zacchaeus' decision didn't just affect him. He says you and your household. That's him. That's his wife. That's his kids. That's everybody that was changed by one decision that he made to commit his entire life to Jesus. What if we gave Jesus our all? Because Abraham gave God his all, we have the adoption of sons into the family of Jesus Because Paul gave his all, we have the great opportunity to have this Bible and to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus gave his all, we have restored relationship with God and access to the throne. So what stops us? We hear the stories. We want to, we want this. Yes, yes, that's it, that's it. But what's stopping us? What is stopping us from, from, from giving him everything? What are, what are some of the things that are hindering us from giving Jesus their all? Well, one of them is fear. We're afraid because the life that we led before, we're afraid of letting that go and what could possibly happen as a result or what we could possibly lose by letting that go. Fear is one thing. Loss. That loss, it, it, it does something to us, and we're like, uh, I, I don't know if I can do that. Selfishness is another. Yeah. We like the way that we live it. Yes, we don't have everything we, we need, and there's this big hole in our heart, but, but you know, I, I'm fine. I, I, don't really, I don't really need it. Selfishness. Selfishness is another. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, which is actually rooted in fear because you're saying, I, I, I don't want to forgive really because I'm offended and I'm afraid that if I forgive you, that it's going to happen again, which actually is rooted in the fear that says, you know what, God, I don't trust you enough to think that you'll protect. Anyway, fear, 
selfishness, unforgiveness. These are things that, that uh, uh, hinder us from giving God our all. But today, I want to I wanna just go over, over these three. Complacency, comfortability, and compromise. Complacency, comfortability, and compromise. I'm going to start with uh, comfortability. Number one, if you got notes, it's time to take out the pen. Comfortability. Comfortability, um, while you say, oh, well, comfortability and complacency, they sound the same, but they are not the same. Complacency is settling for less because it requires less effort. Comfortability is not moving because where you are feels good. See, we get locked into this trap of comfortability when we create habits that ensure that we don't have any opposition. So we do the bare minimum. We get comfortable uh, coming to church once a month so we can check the religious box and we can tell people, hey, I went to church and I don't got to feel no conviction because I, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get comfortable uh, uh, with, with, not, with, with the level of our prayer life because, you know what, it doesn't cost us anything. I don't have to get up early. I, you know, I pray when I feel like it over my food. This comfortability, we get comfortable with, with coming to church and not using our gifts for the kingdom because then it might cost me my time. Then it might cost me my plans. Then it might cost me my finances. Then it might cost me the game. But anyway, I'm going to keep moving. I think about the purpose of a blanket. You don't see somebody walking around with a blanket on, just walking down the street with some of the kids. These, don't worry about that. But <laughs> regular people, you don't see them walking around with a blanket on. Why? Because when you have a blanket on, it's because I ain't going nowhere. I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm trying to get comfortable. Like I, I, I got my blanket on. You, I got my slippers on. Why? Because I'm not really going anywhere. I'm trying to get comfortable. We, we have our, our recliners in our chair, and then once you, once you put that, that chair up, you, you know it's over. Why? Because I'm getting comfortable. I'm getting comfortable. The problem with spiritual comfortability is that it is designed to keep us from moving. It is designed to keep us from growing. So that we stay at this place of inaction. We stay at this place of no movement. And it keeps us from giving Jesus our all. And it keeps us from being any use to the kingdom because we are comfortable. I say this all the time. The logo for Christianity is a cross and not a couch. It's literally on the front of the Bible says, this will cost you. This is not for the comfortable. This is, there will be persecution. There will be suffering. And actually, this life is the complete opposite of comfortability. We, we can't let comfortability stop us from giving Jesus our all. Matthew 5, verse 11 through 12 says, blessed Morally courageous and spiritually alive with joy in God's goodness are you when people insult you, not if, when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things because of your association with me. When I was young, they used to call them Bible thumpers. As I got older, they called them Jesus freaks. Now they just call us foolish. 
but blessed are you. He says, be glad and exceedingly joyful for your reward in heaven is great. I love the Amplified because when you say it in the Amplified, if great wasn't enough, he says, bless. He says, your reward in heaven is great. It is absolutely inexhaustible. He said, for in the same way that they, per- they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So guess what? If you are getting offended, if you're getting persecuted, if you feel like stuff is happening to you, guess what? You're in great company. They literally killed Jesus. All of the disciples, with the exception of one, were killed. So it's a good pattern. And he said... They're going to do it to you because they did it to them and they did it to me. See, this world chases comfort and they do and and, and they do everything that they can to try to push us into this place to believe that comfort is the end all be all. It is the ultimate thing to attain. And if it's not comfortable, don't do it. But when we look at people who achieved great things, when we look at bodybuilders, when we look at professional athletes, when we look at business moguls, when we look at Paul, when we look at Jesus, when we look at Moses, when we look at the disciples, nobody ever said that it was going to be a walk in the park. Comfortability does not precede progress. Persecution does. Persecution does. When a crab grows, it breaks out of its shell and it begins the process of forming a new one. Its lifespan is marked by the passing through of successive shells. The crab grows when it's in between shells and it will continue to grow as long as it dares to break out of the shell. But when it stops breaking through shells, the crab ceases to grow and dies. The last shell becomes the crab's coffin. We cannot let comfortability be our spiritual coffin. Comfortability has no place in the life of the believer. Number two, complacency. Being complacent. Complacency says I am fine where I'm at. I know I could do more, but I won't. I've gotten to this place. I've gotten this far. You know what? I'm okay. I'm, I'm just, let's just put it on cruise control. I'm not trying to go any higher, not trying to go any deeper. Complacency is settling for less than because it requires less effort. Complacency says, God, I am fine with the mediocre life that I am living. I'm going to pray over my food, come to church so often, and I'm good. I'm okay. Here is the problem with that. At the point that you are content with no spiritual growth, it is the moment that you have begun the process of spiritual death. The moment you are content with not growing, that is when you've begun that process. Complacency stops us from giving God our all because it lulls us into this place. It lulls us into this place where we're okay living an ineffective life with no power and no presence. It lulls us. You don't you just start out there. It just lulls you into this place. You're like, I'm good. I, 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 don't need, I don't need no presence. I don't need the presence of God. I don't need the power of God. As long as I make it to heaven, I'm okay. 
But God desires that his glory is shown through us here on this earth and not just to be a fire escape plan for eternity. The blood of Jesus isn't fire insurance. The blood of Jesus is the power and the authority over all of hell. And when his church gives him full access, when his church decides to give them their all, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Complacency. Some people want to live within the sound of church bells, but Limitless has been sent to run a rescue ship right outside the gates of hell. Complacent Christians don't scare the devil, but Christians who refuse to settle, Christians who, 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 who refuse to settle for less than God's best in their life, those are the ones that make the enemy nervous. What if we gave Jesus our all? Proverbs 1 verse 32 says, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroy them. We have to actively decide to always pursue deeper relationship and continued growth in our life with Jesus. Complacency has no business in the life of a believer. It has no business. We have to be aware of the condition of our heart and the condition of our life. We have to evaluate, are we being complacent? Are we being complacent. Compromise. Compromise. Compromise is the most dangerous out of the three. Because compromise starts out subtle. Just starts out subtle. In spiritual compromise, it starts by, you know, small step, another small step, then another step in the direction away from your convictions and eventually towards destruction. Sin begins in the mind, it develops in the heart, and it comes to fruition in the body. And all sin can be traced back to an initial moment of compromise. And we are believers, we can, we can compromise on preferences. You may like the music low, I may like the music loud. I like a little 808 in my music. You might like a little horns or pianos or whatever you may like in yours. We can uh, uh, compromise on, on, on these, 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 these little issues. We can uh, uh, compromise in, 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 in these, these small things, our preferences. But we cannot compromise on God's principles. There is no place for compromise. We can't uh, be one way at church and then another way every day of the week. We can't stand for Jesus in the building and then stand for the enemy in the parking lot. We can't do that. This is a major problem that we face. Spiritual compromise isn't choosing uh, other gods to worship instead of Jesus. It's trying to include other gods with our worship of Jesus. Yeah, we don't just knock Jesus off the, off, off the place. We're like, nah, Jesus, just scoot over a little bit, and we're going to you know, put, put this here. We're going to put our finances here, our job here, our, our plans here. We, yeah, everybody can be all up there. That's how it starts. D.L. Moody put it like this. Christians should live in the world but not be filled with it. A ship lives in the water, but if the water gets into the ship, she goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, but if the world lives in them, they sink. 
the world gets in them, they sink. Compromise stops us from giving God our all because that is the entire plan behind sin and the shame that comes with it. That's the whole purpose of it. That is the whole plan of sin to get us away from God, to get us uh, to this place of compromise. But God expects those who are committed to him and his ways to live uncompromisingly. His word is our primary source of instruction. His word is our authority. This thing, this is how we live our life and nothing else. Someone asked me a question. Hey, pastor, what do you think about that? Don't worry about what I think. Let's, let's get in here and see what it says. I, I know what it says, pastor, I, but I just want to get your opinion. My opinion don't mean nothing. Let's see, let's see what it says. This is how we live our life. Our devotion to God and his ways, it leaves no room for deviation. It leaves no room. When we give him our all and we refuse to compromise, we uphold his standard. And we keep our eyes and our heart focused on God. Focused on God and his mandates. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 32 says, pay attention. Pay attention and be careful to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left, deviating from my commandments. He's like, no, 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 no. This, this is all you need. Don't look to the left. Don't look at what the world is saying that you should do. Don't look at what social media is saying you should do. Don't look at what popular opinion is saying that you should do or the, or the current trends of society is saying that you should do. He says, no, 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 no. He says, pay attention and be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded. Psalm chapter 119, he says, joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his past. They walk only in his past. Worship team, you can come. The location is Pearl Harbor. The date is the Sunday morning of December 7th, 1941. 353 Japanese airplanes begin swarming all around the harbor. Within a couple of hours, America lost eight battleships, six major airfields, and almost all planes, and 2,400 men. What began at 7.50 a.m. was supposedly a surprise attack, but here are the startling facts. That morning, 50 minutes earlier at 7 a.m., while the Japanese warplanes were 137 miles away, almost an hour away, Two U.S. soldiers on a small uh, radar station in the Pacific, they, they scanned and they saw these dots appearing on the screen until the whole screen was filled with dots. The, the, the soldiers notified this youthful supervisor, a lieutenant. No, no other officers were around because it was a Sunday and the lieutenant thought, oh, these must be planes coming from California. And without another thought, the lieutenant said these crucial words. Don't worry about it. 
There would have been time to, to scramble the planes at Pearl Harbor. It, there would have been time to prepare the battleships. There would have been time to shelter the men. But this lieutenant, at the most responsible moment of his career, failed the nation with the words, don't worry about it. In our own lives, is there something that could wreak havoc? Is there something that could cause spiritual destruction in our life? But we dismiss it away and say, oh, don't worry about it. It's, it's just a little sin. It's, it's not something big. It's a little something I do on the side. That is spiritual compromise. Pearl Harbor may have been prevented if someone had taken that warning seriously, but because they didn't, they said, don't worry about it. And numerous lives were lost. See, compromise doesn't just affect us. It affects those who are connected to us and those who are looking to see God through us. If we are going to give God our all, we have to start by ridding ourselves of sin and compromise and submitting our entire self to the one who gave his entire self for us. When you look at the process of spiritual decline, it starts with getting comfortable. It starts with comfortability. And you get comfortable and you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm, I'm fine here. And it moves to complacency. And complacency gives room to compromise. The rate at which believers are falling away is alarming. But what if God's people decided that falling away isn't an option? What if we decided that no matter what, whether we understand it or not, no matter what, we will stand as godly people upholding godly principles uncompromisingly? What if we decided that instead of living a life giving God a portion of our life, whether we're 60, 70, 20, 80, or 90, we made a decision to live out, sold out to him, to live a life sold out to him. What if we gave Jesus our all? What could he do? What would happen? What could he trust us with? What? What gifts would we be walking in? What would he trust us to, to speak on his behalf? What, 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 would, what would the city of Woodland look like? If we say, you know what, it's time out of me trying to do this 50-50. Like the Williams brothers, I've decided that 99 and a half won't do. God, I am giving you everything. And yes, it might hurt. Yes, it might be uncomfortable. But what if we turn this city upside down because we gave God our all? What would it look like? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today.